mess it up. Okay. This is Cup of Go for May 8, 2023. Keep up to date with the important happenings in the Go community in about 15 minutes per week. I am your co-host, Jonathan Hall. And I'm your co-host, Shai Nechman. Good morning, Shai. What are you drinking this morning? Cold coffee and uh, one at that. Oh, no. I apologize. We, it's probably, you know, the first minute of the podcast. We probably have to bleep that out just in case someone has, <laughs> you know, with their, with their kid in the car or whatever. But I'll, I'll rant for a second about coffee because this is a coffee show primarily. Right. Yeah. I have a, my best friend is marrying his uh, beautiful fiance soon. I love them both. Uh, we went shopping together to get some groceries. And I picked up coffee, uh, milk for coffee. Now, I don't drink uh, dairy milk. I drink uh, oat-based uh, stuff. Okay. Uh, and she was like, no, didn't you read the behind the package? It has oil and preservatives, and you can't drink it. It's so unhealthy, blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, but I want milk. So she gave me this organic... I don't know. It's worse than water. I don't know. Yeah. Mm, not good stuff, huh? Only the addiction to caffeine is keep, is causing me to drink this instead of pouring it down the drain. The <laughs> fact that I need to pay for the pipe. So that's a sad story. I'm unhappy about my coffee. So how about uh, we boost up the morale a little bit with what's been happening uh, with Go this week? Because we have a ton to talk about. We do. Uh, so I'll kick us off here. We have uh, two minor releases. Security fixes, if you remember, we mentioned them last week. 1.20.4 and 1.19.9. Now, usually, John, when we update on these releases, we go like, these are security fixes. Remember to update. And there Mm -hmm. the story ends. This week, we sort of dug into the fixes themselves. What were the vulnerabilities? Last week, we we didn't know because they were private. And we dug a little deeper this week, uh, and we saw that someone, and I hope I'm pronouncing the name correctly, uh, called Juho Nurminen, reported all three vulnerabilities. Looking through their body of work in uh, HackerOne and in the Mattermost blog, it seems like this person has been working on Go standard library security issues since 2020 and even, maybe even before and found some vulnerabilities in GitHub Actions, found some vulnerabilities in uh, Go's encoding XML, and the three vulnerabilities reported on these releases. So thanks a ton for your work, uh, Juho. That's kind of it for official releases, but we have some other interesting news. Uh, In less than a month, or in in one case, in a month and a day, we have two conferences coming up on the opposite sides of the world. So if you are in Japan, or if you're online, you can attend Go Conference 2023 on June 2nd. Now, I'm looking at the website. I'm trying to see if it's in Japanese or in English. The website is in both languages. So I think it's mostly in Japanese, but there may be some English language talks. Certainly, if you speak Japanese, this is a great conference for you to attend. And even if you don't, maybe some of the talks will be valuable. That's on June 2nd. Uh, On June 9, if you're in New York City, you might be interested in the Gotham Go conference. Tickets are available, and they're quite affordable. It looks like the most expensive ticket is $300, and that includes a Kubernetes workshop. You can't, you can't do better than that, folks. If you're uh, in a company or some organization offering to the accounting department or your manager or whatever, hey, there's a conference that's relevant to my job. Let me go, pay for my ticket, and let me grab a few colleagues on the way. It's one of those things that people feel is not okay. But it's exactly the opposite. Managers love it. It's a great way to use uh, the you know the L and D budget in the company. It helps build the team. It's gonna make you look better as an employee as well. So <laughs> don't don't be shy about just telling your boss or accounting department to expense these uh, tickets. And if they don't, uh, you can send them to us. Yeah, we'll 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 do the smackdown. Uh, so <laughs> we'll do the smackdown. <laughs> scary from a couple of uh, programmers <laughs> in, a, in a in a podcast right i mean we we, we talk big on the internet you get yeah. us in person we're pretty timid but online man you don't want to make us angry i didn't meet you in in person yet i no. i never saw you even standing up you see me standing up so you have a, a oh, vague yeah. idea of how tall i am but i don't know yeah. i have no idea we have to fix that one of these days all right so last week we didn't have a uh, proposal minutes this week we do uh we want to highlight three discussions Uh, The first one sort of shows the Go's team approach to the standard library. There was a proposal to add a package called testing slash CMP, which has a bunch of functionality borrowed from Google's Go CMP CMP package, adding it to the standard library. 
there are a few ways to compare stuff in Go. You can use equals equals operator. You can use re reflect to deep equal. I know that for testing, I 100% go to deep dot equal, which also has human readable output for the error, which is nice. DSNet proposed to take the Go CMP library and include it in the standard library. Showed some numbers uh, to how many people use reflect dot deep equal and try to push his case and, and people liked it. Uh, mm -hmm. He got almost 100 upvotes. But in the end, Russ moved it to likely decline. And the reasoning behind it makes a lot of sense. And it's very Go-ish in nature, right? Because it wasn't like, I, I don't want to bring this package because it doesn't work or because it doesn't, doesn't make sense or it doesn't fit in the standard library. Uh, it's just a matter of simplicity, which I really, really appreciate. Russ goes with, the package is slightly more complex. We need to significantly trim it down. And there may well be some form of Go CMP that should become testing slash CMP, uh, but not an unmodified version of the package right now because it is slightly complicated. Also, we have a great proposal uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I just think is the best proposal to have. I don't know of. how you're going to do it in audio form. I trust you, but I don't know how you're going <laughs> to do it in audio form. <laughs> Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, so, you know, th this proposal, I, I suppose I should give some background. Um, this comes straight from Russ Cox, so you know it's it's important. Uh, and he points to the new language called Mojo, which was announced this last week. And he says, the new currently still closed source program language called Mojo uses the file extension .mojo, M-O-J-O. But it allows, as an alternative, the .fire emoji file extension. Then Russ continues, clearly Go is being left behind in the Unicode race. We must not let this stand. I propose that we throw caution to the wind and standardize on the, uh, yeah, I don't know how to do this, uh, dot a whole bunch of Unicode characters that look like a gopher uh, as an alternate spelling of dot go, as in hello dot gopher. So uh, you just have to read the, the proposal to get the full gist of the genius that is behind this proposal because it's not easy to verbalize. But it's an amazing proposal. It's had almost 500 upvotes so far. I won't tell you how many downvotes because they don't matter because only the upvotes are important on this proposal. Unfortunately, Russ withdrew this proposal uh, a day after he made it. I'm hoping that with the support of the, our listeners, we can get this proposal reopened uh, and, and eventually accepted because this is just brilliant. I think that if uh, Russ is going to keep it closed, we have to fork. Yes. This is go-to. This is yeah, time and for I, and go -to. I, I actually went to register the puny code version of go.dev with that little gopher thing in it. Uh, I think as a community, we should come together. Maybe with the, with the proceeds from our merch, we can do that as a, as a yeah. podcast. And by the way, I don't understand what's the problem of reading out the, you know, the extension. It just goes like, let's say you have a hello.go and then hello underscore test.go. Now it will be a hello.voiced pharyngeal approximate or fricative. <laughs> Unicode character U plus 25D4 circle with upper right quadrant black and lowercase pi. So okay. simple. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I have to give huge props to Mojo for this play of allowing fire emoji in the file names. It's just, I wouldn't have heard about it if that didn't happen. I mean, I think it's probably fair to say it's a publicity stunt and it worked. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, and it's legit. It's by the person who wrote Swift. It's not like some hobby language. Yeah. I'm excited to see what happens with it. But unfortunately, this proposal rose and fell. Yeah, it won't see the light of day. But it's a great proposal. Uh, there's a discussion ongoing on ordered min-max that's still running, right? We updated it on the past. Yeah, we talked about this, I don't remember, two or three weeks ago. At the time, the proposal was to add a min function and a max function and an ordered type to the sort package. The proposal has been updated to call that package rather than putting it in sort, making a new package called CMP, which is unrelated to the previous proposal you just talked about for testing slash CMP, although they're both related to comparison. But it's the same basic proposal we discussed previously, just moving it in a different package now. Why would you really rather have it in CMP? What's the reasoning behind this proposal? The reasoning behind this proposal comes essentially from Rob Pike. Basically, he has the view that these functions, min and max, aren't really sorting. They're more doing comparisons. And that it's easy and intuitive to separate these into a separate package anyway. 
so we probably should. I think that one of the comments I like about this uh, proposal is that non-test packages should get the good names like CMP. <laughs> it's like unfair that uh, Go CMP got CMP, uh, and then the real quote-unquote packages. I think that's a, a really bad view because testing is the real the hero of the code base, not the actual right. code. Right. The actual code is the easy part. All right. So many proposals uh, and also conferences and also releases. So I think the urgent part of the news is over. There's a ton of stuff around the community, though. A lot of very cool releases, cool projects coming up. So we're not going to go deep into every single post. Uh, and the first one we want to mention is something uh, sent to us by a longtime listener, Tom Toledo, uh, which is... I ha you called him by name, Jonathan? And it's mm -hmm. not his name. His name is Tom Toledo. Uh, Toledo. But, okay. Yeah, but since then... Everybody at the office has been calling him Tom Toledo. You just <laughs> effectively changed his name. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> In my previous company, we did uh, a lot of template rendering. And there's a really great blog post. It's called Template Rendering in Go, a Software Optimization Tale. At the very minimum, I think that the approach to this blog post, it's just really, really, really good. Talking about that premature optimization is not always the worst thing to do. And including an example with fully executable code that you can run, you know, using a ton of Go tools to, to show the, the benchmarks, using pprof and, and whatever. It's a really good, good intro into this world of uh, profiling the part of your app that you know is the bottleneck right now, uh, talking about how to measure the max heap size and working on the hardware, which I really, really liked. You know, when I talk to developers today, a lot of the time they're so abstracted away from the machine that they're running on mm -hmm. that it seems like, how much memory will my application need? Like, doesn't matter. We can scale. It's cloud, right? Mm -hmm. Do you remember when you used to get the software in the back of the package, it would tell you, uh, you need such and such uh, memory, oh, yeah. such yeah. and such graphic card. I think that we should start forcing each developer to add that to their Go package as well. Recommended <laughs> specs. Yeah. This post goes into, instead of starting from the software and let's just optimize blindly, find a red spot and improve it, let's start from the hardware. Given the hardware that I have to run my software on, what is the fastest possible way to get the job done? And then optimize towards that and not ad infinitum, mm -hmm. which I really like. Uh, and thanks, Tom Toledo, for <laughs> pointing it out. Next, we have a project called Gokiburi. I think I said that right. Maybe I'm mispronouncing it and it will become the new standard way to pronounce it. I don't know. <laughs> um, and it reminds me... you a torchbearer. Yeah. <laughs> Just in the wrong direction, but still. <laughs> it, it's a test runner of sorts for Go. Uh, basically, it's a file watcher and a web interface for all your tests. It reminds me a lot of an older project called Go Con, uh, Convey, or Convey. I don't know how that's pronounced either. <laughs> it's not important for it an audio show to pronounce like, just, words. Yeah, I just type these things, and you know, I don't need to speak properly. Mm -hmm. But so, if basically, if your if your IDE doesn't have the integrations you want, or maybe you want to run tests, like so, I use VS Code usually when I'm writing Go, and I have it run tests on save, but it runs the tests in the same package of the file I just saved. Maybe you need to run tests um, broader than that in some way. Um, so that would be a place where. It, tool like this comes to play or maybe you're using a different editor maybe you're using something that doesn't integrate with uh, a test runner uh, i don't know what that might be I, I think most people these days are either using vim or vs code or goland um, but i'm sure there are people using emacs of course which integrates with everything and the kitchen sink <laughs> but uh if you're using an editor that doesn't other have this than other people of course uh, yeah, right <laughs> So, you know, maybe you have a reason to, to do this, or maybe you want capabilities that your IDE just doesn't give you easily. Um, so that would be something to check out. Uh, Go Kiburi, G-O-K-I-B-U-R-I. And that was just released 17 hours ago. So you heard it here first, folks. Yeah, it's the first uh, GitHub project from uh, Michael Henriksen working at GitLab. And I, I really, it looks good. So it's below 100 stars. So if you want to get on the star train right now. It's too bad we don't have NFTs for those stars. So you could be like, I have star number one. I. It <laughs> was a joke, by the way. I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not an NFT guy. Honestly, I, I'm not even gonna respect that offer, that proposal. You know, I I have more respect for the emoji proposal than what you just proposed. Uh, all right. So another thing 
I saw on Reddit, uh, Zach Prozer posted a blog post uh, called Bubble Tea State Machine. Uh, I love uh, charm bracelet stuff, uh, bubble tea, gum, and all that uh, CLI goodness. If you're unfamiliar, they have a bunch of projects uh, like reading uh, Markdown on command line and, and building just beautiful command line applications, um, which I think if you work at a, at a relatively big R&D team, is always useful, right? You have a bunch of scripts for, uh, oh, I need to Terraform, apply my changes to the cloud environment and then rebuild the documentation and then push and then whatever. Um, you always end up with a bunch of these utility scripts and learning how to do them with Charm Bracelet, with Bubble Tea and uh, etc. is a nice way to make them very friendly, make them look good, perhaps even make them more robust and definitely more uh, user-friendly if it's an interactive script. Uh, so there's a blog post called Bubble Tea State Machine where you go through how to build a script that has a bunch of stages. Uh, the stage can complete or error or reset, depends on what you want it to do. And it sort of goes how to build a list of stages, basically a small workflow engine that integrates really well with the Bubble Tea. So if you want to improve your script, you can go read this. In my discussion in Reddit, I also added that I'm just using gum. This requires you to write some Go code. But honestly, if you're good enough in bash scripting, gum, which is their like command line programs that you can run directly from bash, can give you like 95% of the functionality you need normally. So you don't have to reach out and, and build a Go application. You can just write the shell script, which honestly usually is a lot simpler. Uh, so, uh, running out this uh, week's community efforts, even though we have like, I don't know, 10 more stuff to talk about, but uh, we want to stay within a normal time frame. Uh, Jonathan, did you ever do event-driven systems? A little bit. I've done a few microservices that were event-driven, yeah. Oh, this week, microservices is uh, the new curse word, right? It is, yeah. Because of the AWS blog post. Yep. yep. We moved to a, a server rack and cut 90% of our costs. <laughs> Now every single CTO, okay, we need to shift back from uh, microservices to right. servers. Just do a complete rewrite tomorrow. Yeah. Anyways, what were the problems that you faced when doing event-driven uh, systems? Well, the biggest problems I faced were with debugging and the observability was very difficult. So observability and tracing and stuff like that. Yeah. But also just the basics you have to implement, right? For example, mm -hmm. what happens if you lose connection to the, to the message queue? When I say message queue, I mean like Kafka, I mean like RabbitMQ, other mm -hmm. programs like that. You got to reconnect. And right? Yeah. And at least what I've found is that every time I do MQs, I build a small, small library in my company. And I feel really go good about it. But what was released that week that will deprive me of that pleasure going forward? So that is where Bunify comes in. It's a great name, isn't it? Um, yeah. And although... a great logo. Shout out to the logo designers for Bunnyfy. Yeah, it looks like a gopher, not a bunny. I don't know. It needs to be wearing like synthetic ears to, to be Bunnyfy. Mm -hmm. But hey, hey, whatever. Um, who am I to complain about artwork? We just had AI generate ours. <laughs> <laughs> but I like it. It's cute. No, no doubt about that. Yes. Uh, so, so what's Bunnyfy about? So Bunnyfy, it's supposed to make this uh, you know, message queuing configuration much easier. Uh, it's kind of a wrapper around AMQP, and it does the automatic payload marshalling and unmarshalling for you, automatic reconnection, as you just mentioned, uh, built-in event metadata handling, and it has minimal dependencies, which is, of course, sort of in line with the Go ethos of simple and not hiding magic. So that's great from a magic library like this. And... I think that the examples, you know, with a dead letter queue just shows you that this is based on real life problems. Because every mm -hmm. system I interacted with that had uh, message queuing was like, all right, now we need to implement a dead letter queuing. And obviously you keep it for the last release because you want to release the first. And meanwhile, you lose data left and right. Yeah. This is a pretty new package. Uh, and it's definitely in uh, early. It, it had a first release two weeks ago. Uh, 0.0.1. So I don't know if you want to build your entire production on it, but you know, go report A+, coverage 90%, and 
and I think again an early project that you all can get into and and perhaps introduce into your companies Mm -hmm. and that wraps it up for this week stick around for the ad break for two very very exciting updates and for our interview after the break Welcome to our ad break. This is your chance to uh, refill your drinks. Jonathan, I already did that. And also to hear about this week's sponsor, the Cup-A-Go store. Woohoo! Jonathan, how about you tell us a little more about this a fine establishment? Yeah, this is, this is pretty exciting. So we have a, a wide selection of three things you can buy now <laughs> from store.cupago.dev. That is store.cupogo.dev. So we have a very stylish mug, of course, because what else could we possibly sell at our own store? Uh, it's it's pretty attractive. Um, I'm going to be ordering my own copy very soon, and maybe next week you'll see me sipping. You won't see me. You'll hear me sipping from my cup of go cup of go. We also have stickers with transparent or white background, so be sure to buy all two. So you have the full collection. And if you're really hip, you can get our new Cup of Go wireless charger. I wish I could. I have a magnet on the back of my phone. So for me, it's not going to work. Uh, but try it. Try it. It looks good. I don't even know if my phone supports wireless charging. Uh, I'll have to check. Just a, a quick note about the store. We're working with a third-party supplier, and they're going to take care of everything. Uh, so if there are any issues with your order, just talk to us and we'll talk to them. We don't have any stock. It's print on demand. So it might take a little bit to get to your door, but we promise it's worth it. It's very, very stylish. You could walk around the office with your cup of go. Be the first on your block to have a cup of go bug. 100%. And it will support the show a little bit. So show your support. Buy some merch. And if there's something else you want other than these three amazing options let us know i mean it's it's print on demand we can pretty easily put things in there but we don't want to overwhelm you with too many choices so uh we'll, we'll wait to hear from you if you want something else if you want a, a t-shirt or boxer shorts or socks or uh i don't know pet bowl pet bowl <laughs> face paint i don't know what options are we'll figure yeah. it out <laughs> what other updates we have uh, for the ad break so I think the only other thing that's really worth mentioning here is that we are looking for an editor uh, to uh, do the audio editing of our podcast. It's been mostly me. Shai's done one or two episodes as well. Um, the ones that sounded better. Yeah. That, that yeah. was me. The crap ones are me and the good ones are Shai. Uh, but we're looking for somebody to, we're looking to hire somebody to take over the editing of our podcast. If that sounds like you or someone you know, and you're in a European compatible time zone uh, because we record on Monday morning and we try to release by Monday afternoon. Reach out to us uh, if that sounds like something you, you do or want to do. Uh, we'd love to, to talk with you. And if you want to reach us, there are a few places you can do that for uh, hiring jobs or otherwise. Capogo.dev, uh is our site and with store.capogo.dev to buy merch. Uh, we're also on the Gopher Slack, uh, hashtag cup of go kebab case with hyphens, which has been very active uh, recently. Uh, a lot of interesting discussions going on there. And you can also email us at news at dev. That is news at dev. Uh, if you like the show, leave a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you catch your podcasts. Uh, share it with a co-student or a co-league or... Just with any random person on the street, just shout at them. You have your cup, right? So you can yeah, right. wave your new mug at them with the Cup of Go logo and go say, go oh, listen to it, splashing coffee all over the place. I think that's a good look. I, I, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks a lot for listening. Coming up after the break, a super, super interesting interview. You want to stick around. You do. We're going to be interviewing an author about a new Go book. I'm not going to tell you the title until the interview. Bam, bam, bam. Stay tuned. Hi, and welcome back. John, that's a nice book you have there. Yeah, this is a great looking book. It's super sleek and, and shiny and sexy. It's got 300 and some pages in it. I, I, I hope that someday I'll get to talk to the author. Oh, wait. Oh, hi, Adelina. <laughs> welcome. Um, 
That was the best intro I've ever gotten. <laughs> and now cue 15 minute theme song. Ah, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing the music, so I'm definitely not going to write a 15 minute theme song. <laughs> so I, I'm holding in my hand. Uh, of course, nobody can see this except I'll, those I'll of us in the studio. I'll take a screenshot. Uh, okay, take yeah. a screenshot. But got I'm it, holding a copy of Test Driven Development in Go by Adelina Simeon. I, I hope I said your name right this time, yes? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so uh, literally this book arrived an hour ago I went downstairs for lunch and my wife said that the book was here so I haven't really read it I've skimmed the, the table of contents and a few pages um, but I'm this is going to be a surprise for me as much as shy and all of the audience because I haven't read it yet so but before we talk about that Adelina would you tell us a little bit about yourself what you do as a profession maybe any hobbies if you want to go that far yeah so hello everyone virtually so um, I'm Adelina I live in London and I've been a golfer since 2018. I have a background in Java before that. So a lot of things that, you know, when I was transitioning from Java to Go, that those like were the concerns and the niggles I ran into because it was my Java background. Um, right now I work for Form 3, which are fintech in mm -hmm. london and i'm a tech evangelist so i do i did my transition from a senior engineer the senior go engineer to a tech evangelist in 2021 at the end of 2021 and ever since then i've been like really into content creation and it's been just an amazing journey into like learning more about go and then sharing that knowledge with people so one of the things that i find really cool about content creation is that when you take the time to look at something and research it and put material together then you really learn that topic in depth Mm -hmm. So I first started out with a little bit of blogging, then I became a LinkedIn learning instructor and I wrote a little bit about Go and concurrency and testing was featured. Um, and then I was approached to write this book, which is Test Driven Development in Go. And it was just crazy to spend all of this time thinking about this and it resulted in like a complete indexation of my knowledge <laughs> and my thoughts on this so i think that's the the thing that i got most out of it is like an absolute list of everything i knew um and now i can just access it <laughs> nice it's nice of you to to share that list with you know with the rest <laughs> of humanity as well Oh, and I should mention one last thing. So um, I'm honored to serve the community as uh, the Go community as a meetup organizer as well. Nice. So I'm a Women Who Go London organizer as well as, well as a London Gophers co-organizer. So shout out to the local communities. Show some love to your local meetups. Very cool. And to Women Who Go as well. They have the best merch well, uh, after today, it's the second best uh, Go-related <laughs> merch. Uh, we just launched our merch store. <laughs> yeah, but I absolutely adore their. They have. Uh, I highly recommend you go check out uh, Women Who Go merch and support it. Uh, I have a shirt, and my daughter has a matching shirt. She's two years old. That's of, lovely. Like, uh, oh, I'm so happy. Gopher and a little baby gopher working together. So, so cool. I'm, I'd like to ask just to start. Were there any surprises about you know, that, that you learned about Go or about testing as you were writing this book? You talked about cataloging sort of your your knowledge. Did anything surprise you in this process? So, you know, it's really difficult. Um, first off, I thought it was going to be difficult. It was like 10 times more difficult okay. to put the material <laughs> together. And it was like maybe, you know how they say in engineering projects to double the time mm -hmm. that you think it'll take like I, I would say like triple it wow, just okay. because it's it, it was also my first book so like maybe mm -hmm. other people that are more experienced would be um would have more time would have an easier time but one of the things that i was really keen to do is to make sure that all of the Go concepts that you needed were explained as well so a lot of the contents of the book isn't just about testing it's about for example like what is a package and what does it mean to test a package and then we talk about the testing package so that was like one of the things that i was really keen to implement as well then we talked we talk a little bit about dependency injection but only 
as I continued to write things in the book, I realized the amount of frameworks and the amount of external libraries that I'll have to introduce. So there are like quite a few things in there. I've tried not to be opinionated because they mm -hmm. each have their use, but to describe and like add, um, so to describe how to use it and make, give the readers enough to make their own choices was the thing that I was trying to do. So, you know, we talk a lot about the Go ecosystem. I didn't realize how many open source projects we actually real rely on on a daily basis mm -hmm. and um so that was one of the things that i thought was really cool like yeah you know this is what the go ecosystem actually is um so it's just these really cool third-party tools so for example like I'd never used GoDog before, but I wanted to like mention it and explore it. And it's so cool the way it like generates your files. So the what GoDog can do is you basically write, a, you know, a given when then like BDD test scenario. Mm -hmm. And then based on that, it generates functions that will call like that will be called in that particular order. And I thought that this was really, really useful and I'd never explored it before. So that was one thing that I learned a lot about as well. Um, yeah, it was, it was just a lot of learning from, from, for me as well. And the generics, I also included generics and fuzzing. Mm -hmm. And that was something that, you know, it was, I was writing these parts probably like last year. So they were quite new. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was like really cool to explore as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of learning for me. <laughs> <laughs> so the book is about, uh, TDD, but you mentioned, uh, cucumber, you mentioned go dog. Yeah, this is obviously a, a, a hook for you to to catch on. But I thought TDD was only for unit tests. Uh, so <laughs> we do talk about TDD in the in the beginning of the chapters. We demonstrate how to use it for unit tests. But then I kind of like leave that behind because, well, obviously you can't just write unit tests. Um, and I talk a lot about like gathering requirements and understanding what your inputs and outputs are. And then you can kind of like translate this kind of workflow to writing your integration tests as well. I understand that that's not within the of TDD because you're not like writing and implementing at the same time um, but I think it's really really important that developers take ownership of not just unit tests but the entire test suite so that's why I was keen to include that as well do QA engineers love you or hate you at form 3 or do you not employ QA engineers at all no our engineers do all of the testing so I think um yeah, I, I, I hope I'm pretty liked. Imagine if all my <laughs> colleagues hate me. Um, how do you get over, you know, I'll, I'll get it working. I'll, I'll test it later. This is the number one, you know, thing you'll hear. It's wrapped up in, uh, in tons of various different, I don't want to call it excuses, but, you know, oh, we need to ship the POC first because who cares? Yeah. Um, let me just get it working and I'll test it later. I'll deploy today, I'll test tomorrow, et cetera, et cetera. Or, you know, even contrary to what you said, oh, testing is done by the QA automation person on my team. I don't write tests. Yeah, yeah. So this is it's so funny because I recently wrote a blog post and I ended it with a quote that said, let me just get this working and then I'll see how to test it. So it's exactly what you said. It's like, you know, the whole mind, mm -hmm. we have like a weird mind melt happening. But I think it's just because that's what the famous words of engineers are these. Um, <laughs> the way I feel about it is that, you know, especially, so this was also one of the things that I was guilty of like much earlier on in my career. We're very like focused on finding solutions to things and being like, okay, let me just like write the source code and get this problem solved. But actually, until you've proven that it's robust, until you've proven that it's tested, it's not actually solved. So that would be like one thing to consider is like until you've tested it and you know for sure, then you're not really finished. Um, and, you know, if you're going to be like paranoid and you don't really know you don't really remember like oh I ran it but I don't remember what the outputs were um, then that the tests are there to like prove it to yourself as much as to others that it's working um, also remember that like 
quantity and quality are two different things. So, you know, you I can easily write you a whole bunch of code and it'll be like really buggy and we'll do this really quickly, but that doesn't mean that it's any good. So if you're thinking about like you becoming a better engineer and leveling up, honing your craft, then you know, testing just has to be a part of it because otherwise you'll never really know like if you're, how your solutions are behaving. I'm curious who you envision this book primarily for. Is it for a seasoned Go developer who hasn't done TDD? Is it from somebody who does TDD but not in Go yet or some sort of cross-section? Who's the audience this book is done for? The way I've written it is that it does include, like I told you, it does include some parts, the parts of code that you'll need to understand for sure. Mm -hmm. The way I see it is like, if you're just starting out with in with Go or like you've been writing it for a couple of years, then you could still use these refreshers to really like think about the fundamentals and reflect on what it really means um, when you're writing your tests. Um, I do think that if you have a lot of experience with Go and you've been testing stuff and you know, you're like, I don't know, a staff engineer, then this is probably not your read. Um, but I mostly wanted, there's the way I see it is that I see more and more people converting from other backgrounds to go. And in my opinion, the testing library, it's deceptively simple or like, mm -hmm. it's so simple that it's hard to use. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you've got basically, you've got like a handful of functions. You have to write your tests and do your assertions to fail it. Um, in other languages, you you do equals in order to pass it. There's no mocking, no inbuilt mocking. This was one of the things that really like was confusing to me, uh, mm -hmm. coming from, from Java. Um, and in Java, we also have annotations to like, to, for setup and tear down. I didn't know how to do any of that. So um, a lot of the things that I've written in the book were like niggles or problems that I had a hard time understanding in the beginning. Um, and I hope that it'll like help people get, get going, you know? So one thing we, I think last week, Jonathan, we had uh, two posts in, in 24 hours about senior Go developers looking what their next book is or something like that. Yeah. Right, one mm -hmm. on your YouTube and one in our one on Reddit. Yeah. What I'm hearing, you say this is not a book for staff engineers. I think it's a great book for a staff engineer to take to the team. You know what I mean? Let's do a session, mm. uh, guided session. Let's walk through the first uh, three, like through two or three chapters every week, and then sit for an hour and do a, a testing, like testing hackathon. Uh, it's great, right? Because you come into the session, you come out, and there's more coverage in the in the program uh and uh, more junior or like less experienced developers on the team or perhaps experienced developers but not experienced in go specifically uh can use your book uh as a book club as a way to leapfrog you know the 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 learning curve i'm particularly proud of the later chapters uh which for you know the more you know everyone just like <laughs> dreams to write about like you know <laughs> the fundamentals are like, yeah, whatever, I covered those. Uh, but you want the more interesting stuff at the end. And I talk about, um, so the last three chapters, um, which I thought were going to be like the most difficult ones, um, they're concurrency, edge cases, so fuzzing and property-based testing. And the last one is generic, so that's chapter 11. And I rewrote a... Um, uh, what's called table-driven testing so to work with generic use cases. So I might actually take that and like write a blog post because I thought that was really useful and I didn't know how to do table-driven testing mm -hmm. for uh, generics, especially because, you know, if you have a generic function, you need to be able to test right. different uh, kind of types. Um, Property-based testing was also difficult for me because it seems like from what the way I've like played around with it, it seems like fuzzing has replaced it. So like property-based testing was something that you mm -hmm. would do kind of like before that. Um, but there's lots of, I would say like open ends in the book for you to like understand the basics and then you can go look more into it. So I didn't, in that way, I think that's what makes it kind of easier to, to read and it's something for everyone without becoming overly terse. Because let's be honest, like it would, it could be quite <laughs> I think it's a, <laughs> it's very personal, but 300 pages on testing is, 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 is a lot. <laughs> Um, so that just includes the index, by the way. Oh yeah. Okay. 
Um, I don't know so what just the for me to, text to feel good. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll compare it to uh, this book, <laughs> right? So this is in Hebrew, so you can't read it. But it's... Uh, um, You're assuming she can't read Hebrew. You don't know. Actually, actually, I assume, yeah. Um, <laughs> she confirms she can't read Hebrew. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so it's the Order Your House book from that person on Netflix, uh, Marie Kondo. You know, the Kondo method, make your house. You have to mm-hmm. say thank you to all the clothes yeah, yeah. and all that. Um, so recently I read uh, an article where she said, yeah, I wrote the book and it's true. But now that I have uh, three kids, uh, I can't keep my house is also messy. Uh, mm-hmm. So just for me and the listeners to feel better, <laughs> are you happy with the coverage in your current company, in your current projects? Yeah, so um, the way that things work at Form 3 is they don't rely so much on unit tests. They do a lot of integration testing and a lot of contract testing. So in that way, it's kind of like different to other places I've worked. But I understand why they do it because there's a lot of like event-driven architecture at Form 3. Um it's challenging to measure code coverage when it's like a whole bunch of other tests that are running outside code tests, perhaps. Um, but I do think that, you know, there's always a culture of quality. And I think that's the most important part. More than what your numbers are and what your percentages are, the culture of quality and refactoring and really like taking an interest in what the code is doing and how it's behaving is something that we should all strive to cultivate in our companies. Totally. Um, And easier to do with your book. Um, (laughs) By the way, we covered in the show, in Go120, there's coverage profiling for in production. So even if it's not a Go test, uh, you can get um, coverage. I think their example is they're running... um, I don't know, some small program, but they're running it from shell and then getting the coverage results. And it looks great in the blog post. Trying to actually get it to work in integration testing and in production, well, at least for yeah. us, was a little more difficult. But it is possible. It's definitely possible. I have two, I think, related questions. The first one is, does this book make the case for TDD? Or are you assuming that somebody who's bought this book has already decided they want to do TDD? So I do explain the advantages and the disadvantages of TDD. Sometimes I do have to present the code before so that we can talk about like what's happening and what the complexities of it would be. But I do say like consider like as if this was the code, mm-hmm. what, how would we go about mm-hmm. this? Um, but a lot of it is like, let's write tests that test outputs instead of implementation Mm -hmm. and i think because of that because you're forced to write the tests before the implementation tdd is a great fit for Mm -hmm. that so it will help you in my this is my opinion of course it will help you write less brittle tests because you don't have any implementation to like what's called bias you uh, into writing that test that Mm -hmm. way um, so it does make the case for TDD, but at the same time, you know, if you don't want to use it, you don't want to use it. You know, like I'm not just write really good tests. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that leads into my second part of, of I think the same question. And that is, you, you talked about fuzz testing and integration testing and end-to-end testing, which often are not considered part of the TDD uh, approach. Would a better title for this book just be? testing in go or or do you think that test-driven development really is central to this book i think it is because of the kind of motivations that tdd has which i also share mm-hmm. um which is all about like thinking about requirements i also talk about bdd as well right. so thinking about your requirements and really understanding what you're trying to build before you're trying to build it so in that way i thought you know that the test uh, the the title is fitting mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean that's up for debate i suppose the audience <laughs> it's your book you get, to, you get to choose the title <laughs> you and the, between you and the publisher i guess yeah some people have i've gotten some reviews already and some people have really liked the fact that you know go fundamentals were also introduced alongside the testing mm-hmm. but they said that they wish that i had made videos oh. which i now realize like would have been quite helpful uh-huh. um to really like explain what's going on and demonstrate the process better so i might do that in the future nice. to really like show it a little bit better 
Well, I look forward to reading it myself, and I'll probably write my own review at some point. I, <laughs> I, I tend to write reviews of books I read about Go, so... I uh, hope, you're, hope oh, that's not too intimidating. Thank you so much for <laughs> buying it, by the way. Yeah. Like, Jonathan bought it really, really early, and I was really touched. I even, like, messaged my mom, Mom, someone bought my book. <laughs> yeah, and, and he has a copy before you. Yeah, that's the yeah. unfair, <laughs> even. Uh, you mentioned that you need to think about the requirements, and you mentioned BDD. One of the things, at least that in my concept, you have software, right? You want to build it. Why do you want to build it, at least in a company, right? Personally, for like blogs and whatever, it's uh, it's very personal. And side note here, y'all should go check out Adelina's blog. It's nice. It's personal. It has some fun posts. Pink. It's pink. I really like the post about nail art. Uh, the moment my nail stops uh, messing, I have a messed up nail, I'm going to pick up some <laughs> brush tips from um, So I highly recommend you check out the blog. Um, but anyways, in a more corporate setting, the why and what of what you build is usually the product's responsibility. Uh, and yeah. I know that whenever I try to introduce a BDD, Cucumber, given when then to my product team, I faced some some difficulty because it, it feels like programming. It doesn't feel like doing product. Although in reality, you know, what they write in tickets, user stories, Figma, mockups, PDR documents is basically just a worse version uh, of the Cucumber files, right? Um, have you had an experience trying to introduce, you know, a BDD and these sorts of quality concepts outside of the R&D department into the product department or maybe the product designers? So we have, I have worked in companies where, um, we did do everything together. So like they would present the product roadmap and we would discuss exactly what was going on. Um, and then you come away with like a really thorough understanding of what you're trying to achieve and why. And I think that's so beneficial. However, it does kind of take forever. Um, and the team, because, you know, the team will want to discuss it and debate it. And people are like already pivoted into implementation. So that's the thing that I think would be great to break this kind of like it, when you're telling me we're going to create an endpoint and it's going to take these parameters and blah blah or whatever like i'm already imagining the code inside my head somewhere here um so that's i think that's the problem is like instead of you know trying to re remove this bias and really understand what the product is happening is, is doing um i do understand that and I have seen product managers that have written the given when then format for me. Um, and that has been really, really successful. Um, but, you know, we've just got a long way to go when it comes to um, really like merging together the two worlds of product and engineering. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a non-answer, but, you know, <laughs> I have worked with it before and it's worked really well, but I understand why. Um, they feel like maybe they don't have the time to do it, but then engineering maybe can like give them a hand because from their, from their perspective, it's not like different requirements and different scenarios. They just design these behaviors or like these, these things like, you know, the user is going to click here and then this is going to happen. But I think if engineering wanted to get involved and write these scenarios, um, and you had like a concerted company wide effort, then it could work. And that's one of the things that I also said, like this kind of like quality um, mindset, especially in microservices architecture, has organizational um, has organizational factors into it that come into it as well. Yeah. Um, yes, there's no easy answer, unfortunately. But I've always been someone that was like really keen to understand the product, so I think that's why this book was like a good fit for me as well. I've I've tried to get product people to write uh, BDD, but it, it was never successful for me. I guess I just need you a have better to approach. Write that is what I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> um, when coming, one of the things we discuss often recently is how you know LLMs, uh, ChatGPT, etc. Impact writing Go. I've had two types of responses in my R and D groups. Um, one of them was great. Finally, someone can write all my tests and I can just <laughs> focus on writing code, finish writing the entire code base from start to finish, and then have the AI generate the test so no one will bother me. And the other camp, which is, all right, we can focus on writing tests and, and making sure and ha have the AI help us write the test first. 
uh, and then the implementation will be easy and I don't even need an AI to help me with that because I have a really, really good test suite. Uh, or really good testing data that was generated. You know, how many mm -hmm. times can you write uh, person one, person uh, first name, last name? Um, have you had any successful experiences utilizing, you know, Copilot or, or ChatGPT or whatever uh, in writing tests or in writing code? So I've tried to generate tests just to see what would come out of it. And for me, it, it was quite confusing. Because, you know, I feel like I don't really understand what was generated and why. And then it's hard for me to manipulate it. But I think, you know, the more... So I would say, like, generate these things if you understand them. If you know what's going on. Because when they do go wrong, like, ChatGPT is not going to be like, oh, let me fix that for you. You have to fix it, right? Mm. Um, so I think especially for newcomers, I would caution them to use these tools sparingly until they really understand what they're doing. Um, but I do think that, you know, our workflows will change with these kinds of tools. And I don't, I just don't have the answer to how. Um, I think it, it would be better if we still like did the pairing kind of so I still write some of the code and then some of the tests and then some of the code and some of the tests. And then ChatGPT just streamlines this for me as opposed to overtaking like one whole part of it and then me becoming lost. But um, maybe that's perhaps because my, it's my personal preference. Some people might not want to write tests at mm -hmm. all. But at the end of the day, testing code is real code. So you want to make it the same quality and you want to have the same ownership and control of it. So that would just be the one thing that I would like try to remind people. If ChatGPT is not going to write the full implementation for you, I don't see why they would the whole test. Yeah, that's been my fear too, that I would have ChatGPT write my tests and maybe not even understand the system or write understand the problem and and you know if I don't trust ChatGPT to write my code without reading it myself like I don't copy and paste from Stack Overflow why would I copy and paste from ChatGPT at least not yet maybe eventually I'll I'll trust yeah. it so much that I would do that but right now I don't so I, I feel like it would be more work to to use ChatGPT to write my tests and then have to manually verify that it's actually doing the right thing. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm on a I'm on a different camp than uh, y'all. I don't know maybe I'm a little more adventurous, but uh, the way First of all, AI is better for uh, Go than other languages. We've discussed this in the show in the past, but it's uh, it's tiny decisions, but smart ones, uh, like formatting being standard. So all the tokens look the same and, and tabs instead of spaces. Uh, but the way I do it, and I don't know, it might come off as a bit irresponsible, is I write the comment above the test and the name. I really think a lot about the naming and the and the especially if the file already has a bunch of t like table-driven tests, for example, they always have the same structure. And the generated output looks pretty good usually. Are you talking about ChatGPT or Copilot? I'm, or I, I'm talking about Copilot specifically now. Okay. Because uh, it also trains on your uh, on the files you have open right now in VS Code and whatever. And they even have uh, Copilot Labs have some features where you d color some code and, and it's almost like Photoshop brushes. Explain it chunk it, generate tests, but it only works for like JavaScript and TypeScript, not for Go yet. Mm. Um, so so I, I tried ChatGPT3 a few months ago, back in December uh, with Go, and it was terrible, absolutely terrible. Like like worse than the, the, the images with 17 fingers. You know, it was really, really bad. Uh, <laughs> but I, I recently retested the ChatGPT4, and it impressed me. It, it made a couple small mistakes, but it did so, so much better with Go code. So I guess the second edition of the book uh, should have a few chapters to working with our, uh, alongside our uh, AI companions. Yeah, I, I can, I just can, a QR code you can pass to ChatGPT and it'll read the whole book for you and write yeah. your tests. <laughs> I, I can already imagine the 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 editions. You know, I don't mean, your next edition is going to have a few chapters working alongside your AI companions, and then third edition is like respecting your AI overlords while they. Write. <laughs> The title of the book just gets shorter and yeah. shorter. <laughs> just <says> Compressed. <laughs> well, I, I think it would be good to hear uh, your answers to our standard questions that we ask all of our guests on this show. I hope you're ready. The first one is, if somebody held a gun to your head and said, Adelina, you must remove some feature from Go, what would you take out? 
There's not that many, is there? That's true. <laughs> You're like, well, well done. Um, so let me think, let me think, let me think. So I would probably removing... Well, first off, I don't like what's happened. I don't think... I think generics has a way to go mm-hmm. before... Um, I wouldn't say I would remove it, but, you know, like it's time to change it a little okay. bit. Um, I do think the manipulation of pointers, the explicit manipulation of pointers is confusing to newcomers. Mm-hmm. So perhaps that could be something we could think about removing. Okay. Just because people like I know people that have like come from other backgrounds and they've tried and tried and tried to understand it and it's just not gone well. Um so I think that's the number one thing that people are like why is this why are why do we have pointers why are they explicit? My C++ heart I'm 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 screaming here. <laughs> so I think it's not a, not I mean, everybody is coming them. down to go from like hyper inter- interpreted the uh, runtime languages some of us have climbed up from assembly and C <laughs> from the gutter yeah. no <laughs> maybe you have to cut that <laughs> um but yeah i do think the pointers do get a lot of hate and i think um that would be my number one thing i don't find them part- i don't find them confusing myself because i also learned mm-hmm, c mm-hmm. and c++ but um i could understand if you know if you come from python um and it's already difficult to go strongly typed and then all of a sudden you got these stars everywhere yeah. <laughs> like, you see what i mean like and from the other side this is what you would remove but Mm-hmm. What feature would you take from what feature is missing? What feature would you take from other programming languages or libraries and put into Go? I don't know what they're called, but you know, in, in Java, we have Lambda functions that allow you to manipulate streams. So you have these streams and then the Lambda functions can um, can like map and collect. I know they allow you to write some really nice like functional code so you can do and you can sum it and you can do um less for looping mm-hmm. um you're the second you're the second guest who wants functional go programming because we're tired of for loops <laughs> yeah. with generics i think it will be happening before long i mean I'm, I'm sure i know there are libraries to do some of that i think uh, like you said earlier we need to continue to improve upon generics and i think this is something that's likely to come in some form or another before too long It'll probably be, you know, some open source library uh, in the upcoming year and then offered proposal into the standard library like 10 years. <laughs> Maybe back go 150. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, my number one favorite thing, which I still think is so cool, are like Go interfaces that you can just like, mm-hmm. they're just, they continue to be magic for me. And um yeah, I don't think that can be improved at all because they're brilliant. <laughs> I like interfaces too. I have to say, it took me a while to understand how to use them properly coming from a traditional object-oriented background myself, which I'm sure you may have had similar experience. Um, but once it sort of snaps in your head, it's just so, so nice. I'm hoping to figure them out one day. <laughs> yeah, one day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, great, Adelina. Anything else we should mention? Yeah, so I'm going to be going to some conferences and speaking um i hope i'll see everyone at gophercon uk um where we'll gonna be where i'm gonna be talking a little bit more about the security aspects of testing um so i've got uh, we'll be working on a brand new talk for that wow exciting You haven't done enough writing. You need to do some more writing. That's what you say. (laughs) No, this is for the talk. There's no no more writing. Uh, But yeah, that's one of the things that I felt also could have been improved for the book. And it was more about like the security testing. So you can write security unit tests and you can do all sorts of other cool stuff. And that's something I'm exploring right now. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to be at a couple of conferences this autumn. Um, So I hope I'll see people there. But I've got nothing else to plug. Just follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter, whatever you like. Um, And then hopefully I'll be able to give away some free books in the future as well. Awesome. Ah, that's cool. Great. Well, we'll have links to your social media and uh, 
GopherCon UK. We'll be, we'll mention that on our show anyway when it's a little bit closer. It comes up in August. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's great. It's great to chat with you. I look forward to reading your book a little bit more than just the two pages I got to over my lunch. <laughs> Okay. Thanks for coming on and chatting about it. I uh, hope that the book is well received. I hope you get some great reviews. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Bye, everyone. Well, we want to once again thanks Adelina for coming on as a guest uh, to talk about her book. She just told us after we stopped recording that she is already on our Slack channel. Uh, so that's Cup of Go, Kebab Case, of course. So if you have questions for her after this interview, Hop on over there. You can uh, tag her directly, ask your questions. Uh, it was just great to have her on. And uh, she's such a fun person, full of energy and a passion for, for testing. Thanks, Adelina. And this wraps it up for this week's episode. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, remember to check out our new merch store. And you can check us out at kappago.dev, at the Gopher Slack, together with Adelina and the rest of our beautiful, beautiful audience. Or email us at news at See you next week. See you next week, everyone.